0: all right so we have been in matthew 13 in our series the kingdom of heaven is like we've spent our time just focusing in matthew 13 this is just one of the teaching sections um, of many in matthew that really takes a narrowing focus in on what the kingdom of heaven is like and before we even started we wanted to identify what the kingdom was and the working definition that we've been going with is that. The kingdom is God's redemptive rule and reign in Christ. So when we're talking about anything of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, when we see that in our Bibles, it is this work of God that he is doing, this redemptive rule and reign through Christ. That is Christ's ministry as he is bringing the kingdom. He's bringing about redemption, and we're learning all the ways of what that redemption truly means and what life in his kingdom is like And so as Christ is teaching, as Jesus in his ministry is teaching about the kingdom, he uses a lot of parables. That's what we've been focusing on. But these parables in Matthew 13, if you've been doing the Bible reading in a year, you know that these aren't the only parables that are used to teach on the kingdom or the only time that he talks about the kingdom but we are looking at the parables that he has used here specifically in matthew 13 and a parable is a practical story that's often framed as a simile that illustrates a spiritual truth and when uh, alan taught we know that he talked and he took it a little bit further to say that even these parables that that's what they were used for that was a common theme for parables But even what Jesus is getting after is it actually reveals a spiritual truth about our hearts a lot of times. So a practical story that illustrates a spiritual truth. And so just a quick recap of where we've been. Um, We started off with the parable of the sower. And the, um, the general idea for the parable of the sower, what we were learning from that is just the different heart postures... Um, for the reception of the kingdom message. So we studied all the different heart receptions. Jesus was giving all the people, all of his followers, a very clear picture that there are going to be some hearts that receive and some that don't and some in between. But ultimately, you're either receiving the kingdom message, you have ears to hear and a heart that's repentant to receive, or you don't. And then we moved on and John taught from, from the parable of the weeds. And that was a, a parable that talks about this judgment that is to come. And there was this idea with the weeds and the wheat of evil and righteousness coexisting. Evil and good coexisting until the end of the age. That there's going to be evil coexisting at the same time until the end of the age. Until that judgment comes. And then we did the parable of the mustard seed and leaven. And it was this idea that the kingdom is growing, advancing is a language word, that we hear a lot that the kingdom is growing and that the growth is outward and expansion. And it is going to start from a seemingly insignificant start to a grand mass end that we can't even fathom. But that there's also this idea from the leaven that it begins with transforming the inside out. That each believer, each follower, each citizen of the kingdom has this transformation, has this growth inside of them that's transforming from the inside in their heart out to their actions and how they are participating in the kingdom. And then last week, Natalie took us through the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the, uh, the pearl. She was really driving home the point that The kingdom is the most valuable thing. The kingdom of God, life in God's kingdom, far surpasses anything else that we will chase in this life or that we are tempted to chase in this life. That it is worth denying everything in order to pursue it. And so tonight we come to another parable. It's actually one of the last ones in 13 that compares and gives us an idea of what the kingdom is like. So before we get started, let me pray. And we'll jump right into it. Father God, thank you for tonight. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to be together, to hear from your word. Lord, that you are speaking to us through your word. It is not about the words that I say up here. Lord, you've revealed yourself to us in your word. So Lord, would we hear from it? Would we hear from you? Lord, we know That when we encounter your word, when we encounter these parables, when we encounter this truth, that you're desiring to transform us from the inside out. Lord, would we have softened hearts and ears to hear? I just pray against any spirit of distraction, Lord. Would you just help us to have eyes to look to you, ears to hear, and hearts ready to receive? Lord, we thank you for this time. Lord, speak through me. Let it not be my words, but yours. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Matthew 13, verse 47 is where we have come in our journey uh, for the kingdom of heaven is like. Verse 47 says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So we come to another parable that has a similar message to one that we've already looked at. Which one? Which one is this similar to? You can just yell it out. The weeds. Yeah, there's very similar language used from the parable of the weeds, this idea of separating out good and evil, the end of the age, the angels coming. So why do we get another parable on judgment and the end of the age? And so what is, what's the different nuance that we're looking at here of judgment and the end of the age in light of God's coming kingdom uh, jesus is talking to his disciples and we know that he's talking to a community he's probably around the sea of galilee and he's talking to a, a community that understands fishing they understand it very well at least we know four of his disciples were fishermen who left that occupation to come and follow him so he's using this language that would be very familiar to them and he's specifically referencing not just any net, but when we look in the original language, he's specifying a dragnet. It's so not just one that's thrown out off of a boat, but a dragnet. And this is not my drawing. I found it on the internet. But this is just to give us an idea of what a dragnet does if you do not know. The structure of a dragnet that we see in this parable is that it will have the net will have weights on the bottom. And then it'll have like cork or some kind of buoy something on the top to keep it afloat. So what you've got is the bottom of the net being held down by weights that'll hit the sea floor and then a net that'll still it'll stay and create this wall effect, right? By what's floating on the top. And so they would take the net and spread it. I know it's not quite parallel, but it's parallel to the shore. And so as the net is put out and it's parallel to the shore, what then happens is with the weights being on the bottom and the cork being on top, as people from the shore pull it in, it is bringing everything in. It's creating this momentum as it has anchored down and it is coming forward. There is this momentum that is created. And so all of the fish are staying inside and it is eventually brought to shore. And everything that has been caught in that dragnet comes to shore. Everything comes up with it. Nothing escapes. So it is with the coming of the kingdom. The kingdom has been brought it has been initiated. This is what Jesus came to earth and began his ministry. The kingdom has this initial start. It is like a net that has, a dragnet that has been thrown out. It has been placed. And it continues to advance. I want to hear from you guys. How does the kingdom advance? When we say this, the kingdom advances. What are things we know? How does the kingdom advance? say that again? Spreading. Spreading to more people. How does it spread to more people? That's a great answer, Joe. Gideon, what do you think? How does it spread to more people? Through the gospel. gospel. What has to happen with the gospel? Yeah, you got to tell people. We got to tell people about the kingdom. Thank you, guys. God's kingdom advances like we've talked about with the parable of the mustard seed. That people must hear about it. People must hear that God, he is the authoritative, he is the ruling one. That he is ruling and reigning over his creation by redeeming what is his in the person and work of Christ. And so Jesus, he's already prepared his disciples that some will receive the message and some will not But as people hear about the kingdom, they repent. And the gospel begins to transform them from the inside out. Kind of this idea like we've talked about with the leaven. And now as their hearts are being transformed and their minds are being renewed and they're starting to live a different way, that is they recognize that their old self is dead and they are alive in Christ and there is this new life to step into, And their minds are being renewed daily. And they are picking up their cross and following after him. They see the value of the kingdom worth trading everything for in pursuit of it. They begin to tell others. And this cycle happens and we've got a kingdom advancing. There's also this other element to the dragnet where it brings in everything. We see it right in there. Fish of every kind is brought to shore. Whatever is coming with it, all of it has the final destination that it is all brought to the shore. Verse 48, when it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So when the net is full, It's brought to shore with every kind of fish in it. Probably so much stuff from the sea comes up with it. But the idea here is to focus on every kind of fish, isn't it? And the fishermen, so if if Jesus is talking to fishermen, what they are a fishing community, what they would have understood is that, yeah, when the fishermen bring this net in, they have to sit down, especially these Jews, they have to sit down and sort out the good from the bad. And they actually have specifications from God's law that tells them how they are to sort it out. From Leviticus 11, they know that when fish comes in, it's just not about it being a certain type of fish. It's about following God's law of what is good and what is bad, what is clean and what is unclean. They're throwing out fish that don't have uh, fins and don't have scales. There was very specific uh, guidelines given to them in God's law of how they were sorting. So they're very used to this process of, hey, actually jew fishermen are the ones sorting out and they're doing it because god has is the one who's deemed what is clean and what is good and what is unclean and what is not good and so god's law is the one that determines this again if you're looking for that you can go read that in leviticus 11. so everything has been brought to this ultimate destination Everything that was gathered from this net coming in is brought to an ultimate destination, and that is the shore. The shore where the sorting is going to happen. The same for every fish in there has an ultimate destination. Verse 49 So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous. And throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The interpretation of this parable is like the weeds. There's not much new information being given here. The interpretation is just like that of the weeds. Jesus is stating that the consummation, the fullness of his kingdom coming, results in a final judgment. And there are three promises that we can observe from these two verses. The first one is, there is a judgment coming. That's super easy. There is a judgment coming. Judgment can be one of those things that we don't actually like to talk about. We know it's there, and we're like, okay, let's get past that. And it could be for a variety of reasons that we don't feel comfortable or don't really want to talk about it. But we see here in Matthew 13 that Jesus found it to be so important He focuses two parables on it in his teaching, in this teaching section alone. And there are many other teaching sections that come later as you've continued to read through the Gospels that he uses. But in this section alone, we get two parables. And so Jesus is driving home the point that coming judgment is inevitable, It is a matter of fact. That's all there is to it. It is a matter of fact. It is like oxygen exists. Judgment is coming. He is just letting you know it is a matter of fact. This is where all of this is going. There will be a final judgment for all humanity. The second thing we get from this is that evil will be separated from the righteous. Did I spell that right? It's okay. You know what I meant doesn't look right, but it could be one of those. Okay. Evil will be separated from the righteous. And so like God's law that determined what fish were clean and which were not, the just judge, that is God, he is the one who determines what is evil and what is good. And we don't have to sit and guess what is it? Is this evil or is this righteous? we have it all revealed to us. What he claims is evil and what he deems as righteous. And so we know that evil will be separated from the righteous. That is a promise that we have from this passage. And then the third thing that we can observe from these last two verses is that evil is not only removed, but it's actually punished. It's actually dealt with by the just judge himself. And so when John spoke, Uh, when he was teaching the parable of the weeds, there were the servants who asked if they were the ones who should go and get the weeds. And they were told not to, and that the weeds would be dealt with at the harvest. And it's not the servants who would separate, but the reapers. And so we are not the ones who judge and punish. God is the just God, and he is the one who will judge and punish evil. So Jesus starts this section. He's teaching with the par- his, he starts this section by teaching with the parable of the sower. But we know that that one was about the reception of the kingdom message. And so the first parable that he's actually describing what the kingdom is like, it is about judgment. It is about a judgment that is coming. And the last parable that he uses in this section to describe the kingdom before he moves on is about judgment. And so this is not something that we want to shy away from, but we want to embrace and actually we want to celebrate it. The kingdom of heaven is God's redemptive rule and reign that he brings about through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Right here in our parable, we get um, in verse 48, it says, when it was full, and verse 49, at the end of the age. Um, So there's this idea that we've been communicating the whole series, that there is an initial arrival of the kingdom and a fullness that is yet to come. That that will come when Jesus returns, and that is a hope that we have. The fullness that is yet to come should influence our lives now. The fullness of the kingdom that is to come, that should influence our lives now. Um, Some of you may know this woman. There was a woman who passed away in our church uh, just a little over a week ago. Her name is Barbara Higgins. Uh, If you know Becky Biebelheimer, that is her mom. Sarah Fox, that is her grandma. Uh, Obi-Ella Hadier-Nazir, that is their great-grandma. She was A wonderful woman. She has an incredible legacy. She has influenced a lot of people over the years with her love for Jesus and seeking his face and seeking the things of his kingdom. She has passed that legacy on to her children and her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren. Barbara lived to be 94 years old. And at 94, as she was in her final weeks, and you can see that her body is deteriorating, and you can see that her mind is not as sharp and articulate as it has been. Just what the, the, the curse of sin does to our bodies as we come to the end. Um, she wasn't super clear and articulate in the things she would say. But what was clear, and moments that she would get of clarity... Becky took a video of this and was so generous to show me, was her mom giving this mini-sermon on her bed. At 94 years old, what she wanted people to know was, follow Jesus now. Follow Jesus now. Don't wait. He wants you to follow him now. She could live 94 years of life, and when she looked back, What she found to be the most valuable thing is to not wait and get your life together and follow Jesus when it's convenient. Follow Jesus now. There is an urgency we should sense from Matthew 13. An urgency and a priority that Jesus himself has when he implores the people. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand Jesus came to bring the inauguration of his kingdom, provide teaching to understand his kingdom, and he provided a way into his kingdom for those who have ears to hear and hearts to receive. And he provided a warning for what is to come at the consummation of his kingdom, a judgment of evil and righteousness. So as we're looking at how Jesus talks about the kingdom, do we sense that urgency? Do we feel that urgency in our lives? When we're reading his message, when we're hearing his call that he implores us to repent for the kingdom is at hand, do we sense that urgency? Have we responded to the gospel message? Do we understand the gospel message? Do we understand... That I am a sinner. I, Brooklyn Meeker, I am a sinner. Ephesians tell me I was by nature a child of wrath, that I was dead in my transgressions, but that Jesus came, that he lived the perfect life, the sinless life. He is the spotless lamb, and that he went to the cross not for anything that he had done, but for my sin, for your sin. He went and took the punishment that our sin deserves. And he conquered sin and death And he did, because he did not stay dead. He rose and he conquered sin and death. And he is the one who has ascended in heaven and he is on his throne and he will return. Do we understand the gospel message that he is calling me to repent and receive his grace and mercy and to follow him? In a holy, that I was dead in my transgression, but I have been raised to life in Christ, and that I have this newness of life to walk in, not in order to get Him to like me. He already did the most loving thing when my back was turned to Him. Do we sense the urgency? Have we responded to the gospel message? And do our priorities align with that urgency? Jesus warned us of the judgment that is to come. He's very gracious and he's very kind. He brought his kingdom. He taught about how good life is in his kingdom. And we don't have to guess at what is at the end of the second coming of Jesus. He tells us very straightforward. He gives us a warning and he gives us the solution and the answer. He gives us the answers to the tests. He took the test for us. He gives us a warning. Do we love people enough to do the same for them? Do we love people enough to warn them that, hey, everything is being brought to the shore. Everything has the same final ultimate destiny. That we are all being brought to a judgment. For those that are in Christ, it is his righteousness that covers us. And those who are not, that there is an eternal separation from the Father that is unimaginable. Again, we are not judging, we're just warning. We have to talk about that with our friends. With this is the room where we talk about what does that look like? Because we can get this sense of urgency and be like, okay, what do I do with that? I'm not just gonna run into Target and be like, there's a judgment coming. Because nobody's gonna want to talk to me. Nobody's gonna want to hear that. They are gonna want me to be escorted from the store. But there are people in my life, there are family members. there are aunts or uncles who I have, and I need to be seeking the Lord. And I need to be letting that urgency that I get when I read his word say, okay, how am I, how am I going to be in conversation with them? What opportunities do I have? Do I, do I have these opportunities to walk into and just to give them the warning? This is what's coming. But this is the hope that we have. Again, we don't judge people. We warn them. And we lead people in the hope that Jesus has made a way for us to enter as citizens of his kingdom. We're going to close with a song, and then we will have some time to discuss this a little bit further in our small groups. But let me pray. God, you are holy. You are good. You are just. You are the just judge, Lord. And God, we thank you for your judgment. We thank you that there is going to be a day When you remove the evil from this world, Lord, there is evil in me. But by your grace and by the blood of Jesus, you are transforming me from the inside out. You are sanctifying me. And Lord, there is going to be a day when you return, when those who are followers of you will step into full glory. Lord, the evil will not be there. And so we celebrate your judgment that you are a good God, Lord, as we hear from your word and as we discuss it, Lord, would we sense that urgency and would it inform our priorities, Lord? Would it inform what we find most important to be seeking after? And Lord, I just thank you for your grace that you are continually working this in us. Lord, there are days where we mess up. There are days when we're apathetic. We are not urgent about this. Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for this community where we can come together and we can start again and we can pick up where we left off. Lord, being people of your kingdom, thank you for inviting us into the work that you are doing of advancing your kingdom. But Lord, we are just saying to people, come and see what the Lord has done in my life. God, you are gracious and merciful, abounding in steadfast love, slow to anger. You are so kind and so patient, and for that we praise you. Would this song um, just be a time for us to reflect on your good, good character? We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.